Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Monday, August 3rd, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 182nd episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Make sure to check it out and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Alright, over the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, we saw the NHL's 2014 postseason officially get underway with the Chicago Blackhawks defeating the Edmonton Oilers in dominant fashion with a 6-4 victory on Saturday afternoon, led by Dominic Kubalik, who had 5 points, 2 goals, and 3 assists, which is an NHL rookie record for a rookie in their playoff debut, so Kubalik was fantastic. Five points, four shots on goal, three hits in just 13 minutes and 56 seconds time on ice. And that top line of Kubalik, Taze, and Brandon Saad really led the way for the Hawks on Saturday. They put up 10 points as a trio. Taze had two goals himself and he also added one assist while Saad had a goal and assist himself. So that top line really, really set the tone for the Blackhawks. Dominant right from the get-go. Connor McDavid did open the scoring for the Oilers just two and a half minutes into the contest with a power play goal, which was a bit concerning us Blackhawks fans. We're not too happy to see that one go in early on the man advantage, holding our chairs there a little bit. But the Blackhawks bounced back for four unanswered goals in the first period before um, taking a 4-1 to lead heading into the first intermission. Dylan Strom got the Hawks on the board with a nice play by banking the puck off of goaltender Mike Smith, who interestingly got the start for the Oilers. We know in previous ep- uh, in the previous crossover episodes with Locked On Oilers host Tom Gazzola, we discussed the Oilers' goaltending situation a lot as we were never really sure who was going to get the start until... Smith led the Oilers onto the ice. We knew he had the postseason experience. He has twenty had 25 career postseason starts heading into the contest, and Koskinen had never played in a playoff game. So it did make sense for the Oilers to give Smith the start. 23 career postseason starts heading into Saturday's contest. I think I said 25. I meant to say 23. But that one, that decision cost the Oilers early in the contest as the Hawks chased Smith as they did in their last regular season meeting before the five-month pause as Jonathan Taze cashed in for a power play goal on a great feed by Dominic Kubalik. And then Brandon Saad added a goal on a nifty redirect from Ole Mata's shot from the point. And then less than three minutes later, Taze found the back of the net for the second time on another beautiful setup from Dominic Kubalik from behind the net. Beautiful turnover forced by Brandon Saad to start the play. And just like that, the Hawks had a commanding 4-1 to lead heading into the first intermission. Uh, we did see Leon Dreisaitl score the Oilers' second power play goal just four minutes into the second period to cut the Hawks' lead to 4-2. to 
But then <clears throat> Dominic Kubalik worked a little bit more of his magic as he cashed in for two power play goals to give the Hawks a commanding 6-2 lead after 40 minutes. His first power play goal was just a rocket of a one-timer from the right circle. And then the second one, he got a piece of Duncan Keith's shot from the point. Keith picked up two assists on the power play for the Blackhawks in that second period as well. So, Good to see the Blackhawks' man advantage convert three times in the opening contest against the Oilers. I talked in previous episodes a lot how I thought that the special teams battle was going to be a huge determine uh, a huge factor in the series and would likely determine the winner. And the Blackhawks, although they did surrender three power play goals, James Neal cashed in for one during garbage time. The Hawks got theirs on the power play as well. They matched the Oilers on the power play, and I think if they can do that throughout the rest of the series, that will definitely favor them. Overall, I thought it was a pretty strong performance from the Blackhawks as a team. All four forward lines looked really good. I thought that second line of Dylan Strome, Alex Nylander, and Patrick Kane was really solid. Nylander forced a couple of turnovers on the back check. He was really good for the most part. Strom obviously cashed in for that goal by banking the puck in off of Mike Smith. And then Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane. We we know what he does. He picked up an assist and he led the Hawks with uh, seven shots on goal and 21 minutes and 40 seconds time on ice. Uh, that led the forward group. Only Duncan Keith had more time on ice than he did. But good effort by the Blackhawks overall. Kirby Dock in that third line was really solid. Unfortunately, we will be without Drake Kajula for Game 2 as the latest update out of his situation from an illegal check to the head of Tyler Ennis. The NHL Department of Player Safety decided that he's going to be suspended for tonight's contest against the Oilers. So the Hawks will be without Kajula, who is a really uh, a glue piece into that lineup can slot anywhere. A lot of people like to call him a Swiss Army knife type of player because he can just jumble anywhere onto the lineup. So that will be a tough loss for the Blackhawks. I think we'll see Dylan Secura slide into that role as he was the 13th forward in Wednesday's exhibition contest against the St. Louis Blues. And he also performed very well throughout training camp. He had a hat trick in one of the scrimmages. So I don't think it'll cost the Blackhawks too much. I think Secura will be okay in the, uh, jumping into the lineup for just one game. As for the Hawks' fourth line, I thought they were pretty solid, especially when you consider that a majority of their limited ice time together came against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl in the Oilers' top six. They were pretty good and held their own. David Camp won 66.7% of his face-offs, so he was helping Johnny in the face-off department. And considering all of that, that's all you can really ask for out of a fourth line that's made up of Ryan Carpenter, David Camp, and Matthew Highmore. On defense, I thought the Hawks were pretty solid for the most part. They didn't allow a single goal at even strength. The Oilers had three goals while on the power play, and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins was able to sneak one by Crawford with the extra attacker out. But that was all Edmonton was able to get on Saturday. They weren't able to score at all while at 5-on-5. Five five. I thought the Blackhawks, as a defensive unit, handled it well. Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist on the top unit moved the puck well together. Keith did have eight more minutes of ice time than Adam Boquist did. Keith had a little bit larger of a role in the special teams department, played a lot on the penalty kill, and also he's part of that top unit that cashed in for three power play goals, so it's no surprise that he did have a little bit larger of a role than Boquist. We'll likely see that throughout the remainder of the postseason, 
but it was a little surprising to see Boquist only have 14 minutes and 39 seconds time on ice. That's That was the fewest of any Blackhawks defenseman, so that'll certainly be something to keep an eye on as the series goes on. As for the second defensive pairing of Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, we saw Murphy have 21 minutes and 34 seconds of ice time while Calvin DeHaan had 21 minutes even. Calvin DeHaan had four hits, as did Murphy. Murphy also picked up four shots on goal, and defensively, they were really solid against the Oilers' top six, and they'll have to keep doing that if the Blackhawks want to advance to the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The third pairing of Mata and Cuckoo, they just... uh, kept doing what they did throughout the regular season. Didn't draw much attention to themselves, but that's honestly a good thing from a third defensive pairing. If you're not saying those guys' names very much, there's probably not much going on, and that's what you want to see from them. They're not going to do much offensively. We did see Mata have a primary assist on Saad's goal, but they're not going to do much offensively and chip chip in on odd man rushes and transition and stuff like that. But they were strong defensively while they were on the ice together. Cuckoo had 15 minutes and 43 seconds. Mata had 17 minutes, 2 seconds. So they kept doing what they were doing. That's all we can ask for as the series goes on. And then in that, Corey Crawford was pretty strong. He stopped 25 of 29 shots he faced and picked up the victory. As I said, all four of the goals came while the Oilers did have a man advantage. So at even strength, Crawford was really, really sound, stopped all 20 shots he faced, and he was ready right from the get-go. The Oilers did cash in on the power play, Connor McDavid, just two and a half minutes into the contest, but it didn't phase the Hawks, it didn't phase their defense at all, and I think that was really a key to their Game 1 6-4 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Alright, coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk a little bit about both the Hawks and the Oilers line combinations for tonight's Game 2 contest that kicks off at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems in the past. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you'll ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so we just finished talking about the Blackhawks' impressive 6-4 Game 1 victory over the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. Now I want to give a little preview into tonight's matchup for Game 2 of the Best of 5 series. 
right away, you have to think that the Oilers are going to go with Miko Koskinen in that for his first career postseason start after giving Mike Smith the nod in Game 1, which appeared to be a mistake from head coach Dave Tippett. The Hawks peppered him a little bit early in the contest, but he stopped just 18 of 23 shots that he faced in 26 minutes of play, while Koskinen came in and stopped 18 of the 19 shots that he faced and allowed just one goal and over a half a game of work and relief. So it would just make sense for the Oilers to give Koskinen a look here in what you sort of have to consider a must-win game if you're the Oilers. After all, the Hawks haven't seen him this year in a start as Smith was in net to begin the game all four times so far this year. But Tippett would not name a starting goaltender for Game 2, much like the approach that he went with coming into Game 1 of the series, and I'm sure we won't know for sure who the Oilers are going to go with until they hit the ice about 30 minutes before puck drop. Now, I wouldn't expect them to make any lineup changes for tonight's game. Tyler Ennis did take that nasty hit from Kajula, but he was able to return to the contest and he appears to be fine for game two tonight. So expect him to start on the Oilers second line with Leon Dreisaitl and Kyler Yamamoto. Although another thing that I really am interested in to see is if the Oilers will go nuclear at some point tonight by loading up Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same line. I definitely expect head coach Dave Tippett to go that route if the Hawks are able to grab an early lead. But if it's a close game throughout the contest, I wonder how tempted he'll be to put those guys together. But to start the contest, I certainly expect Edmonton to go with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Zach Cassian as the first line, Tyler Ennis, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kyler Yamamoto as the second, Andreas Athanasiu, Riley Shahan, and Josh Archibald as the third line, and then James Neal, Jujar Kara, and Alex Chason as the fourth. On defense, I think they'll roll with the same six of Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson, Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear, and then Chris Russell and Matt Benning. As for the Hawks, there's certainly no need to change anything up front, except for Dylan Secura will likely be the choice to swap in for Drake Kajula, who will not be able to return until Game 3 on Wednesday after his one-game suspension. On defense, look for Keith and Boquist to be paired up once again, but keep an eye on how much ice time Boquist racks up in this contest. I think we'll see a lot more 5-on-5 play than we did on Saturday, so I'm interested to see how Boquist handles a larger role if that is the case. Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy will continue to see lots of time together in defensive situations and on the penalty kill, and then Olimata and Slater Cuckoo will look to just stay consistent and keep the puck out of harm's way on the third defensive pairing. Corey Crawford will be in net for Game 2 for his 87th career postseason start, and hopefully the Hawks will be able to keep the Oilers to under 30 shots on goal for the second consecutive game, as I think that would be a major key to jumping out to a 2-0 series lead. Some other keys to a win for the Blackhawks for me would be staying out of the penalty box. I can't stress that enough. The Oilers are going to make you pay when they get these opportunities. If the Hawks take fewer penalties than the Oilers do tonight, I think they have a pretty good chance of coming out with a win. I also think the Hawks' top six needs to stay dominant. If Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are both able to score a goal, 
they win the game nearly 100% of the time. So if the Hawks' top six can outplay Edmonton's, then the Blackhawks will be able to take a 2-0 series lead tonight, in my opinion. So I think that takes care of all the news before the Chicago Blackhawks take on the Edmonton Oilers for Game 2 of the Best of 5 series tonight. Now let's move on to our weekly Mailbag Monday segment, where I answer a couple of questions from the fans right here live on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or simply just life in general. All right, before we get into our weekly Mailbag Monday segment, I just got word that Oilers coach Dave Tippett has announced Miko Koskinen as the official starter in net for Game 2 tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. So, there you have it. Mike Smith will be on the bench after his poor performance in Game 1. While Koskinen came on in relief to bandage the wounds a little bit, and he wound up stopping 18 of the 19 shots he faced. So, we'll see if the Hawks are able to have the same success against Koskinen in Game 2 as they had with Smith in Game 1. But now, moving on to our Mailbag Monday segment here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. The first question I want to answer comes from Todd Marshall, who emailed in his question, which was, with Kirby Doc getting the look on the top power play and Kubalik coming into his own, what are the odds that Dylan Strom doesn't re-sign this offseason with the Blackhawks? Well, Todd, that's definitely a great question there. And with Kubalik continuing to impress the more and more that he plays this year, you know that his price tag this summer is going to go up. And with the Hawks' limited cap space that they already have, if it was already going to be hard enough to sign both Strom and Kubalik this offseason. Now, <laughs> it's going to be even tougher with Kubalik setting an NHL record on Saturday. I know the Hawks will likely get some cap relief from Zach Smith and potentially Olimato being bought out, but there are still some tough choices that are going to have to be made. Slater Cuckoo and Drake Kajula are both free agents as well, not to mention Corey Crawford and the whole goaltender situation. So COVID-19 really hurt the Blackhawks financially because the salary cap will now not be going up for each of the next three years. And that will likely put the Hawks in cap hell heading into each summer. And looking at the whole situation with Dylan Strom, with Kirby Doc getting better by the day, I honestly think there is a decent chance that he could be traded this offseason. I think... It would be foolish to quit on Strom this early in his career after just one injury-plagued struggle of a season, but you know what happens with Stan Bowman and the young players who don't produce. We saw it with Nick Schmaltz. We certainly could see it with Dylan Strom. We'll just have to wait and see, though, what happens throughout the remainder of the Hawks' postseason run, though, Todd. Thanks for taking the time to email in your question to the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. 
The second question I want to answer on the podcast, I kind of touched on a little bit already, but I wanted to be sure to answer because it was the lone question I was asked on Twitter this week, which came from at Obsolete Ostrich, which is a fantastic Twitter handle, by the way. But Obsolete Ostrich asked, with Kajula suspended, why would you choose Sakura over Hegel in the lineup? Well, the first reason why Sakura makes sense is because he was selected over guys like Brandon Hagel, Philip Kirishev, Mackenzie Entwistle, etc. to be the 13th forward in Wednesday's exhibition game versus the St. Louis Blues. The reason why the NHL allowed teams to dress 13 forwards and 7 defensemen in their exhibition contest was for this situation exactly, so it would only make sense for the Hawks to go with Sakura in the lineup in replace of the suspended Kajula. Sakura was also pretty impressive throughout the Blackhawks training camp the last couple of weeks as he picked up a hat-trick in one scrimmage and then I know he scored another overtime winner in another and he was rewarded for his efforts by getting a chance to play on Wednesday and I think the Hawks will continue to go that route. I think it just makes sense for the team to go with Sakura especially because he has the most professional experience of any other forward that is scratched right now on the roster. Alright, I think that is going to wrap up our weekly Mailbag Monday segment and also Monday, August 3rd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all 24 teams currently in the 2020 postseason. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks Twitter account, at TalkinHockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for listening. 